If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Acts chapter 17. Um, one, of the, one of my favorite uh, chapters in the book of Acts because the dynamics here are incredible and the, the place is unique. It's the Apostle Paul in the city of Athens speaking before the leading philosophers, in front of the leading philosophers of the day. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, encourage us. I pray. I thank you that you are a, a close God, that you are near to each one of us. And my prayer today is that you would help us experience that and draw closer to you as a result. Through Christ, I pray. Amen. So in Acts chapter 17, the Apostle Paul is in Athens. And as he uh, a couple things about Athens that are important for us to, to remember. First of all, um, it is a pagan town. Paul says it's disturbed. He looks around and he sees the city is full of idols. There's an old saying about Athens that it was easier to find a god, lower case G, than a, than a man. That there were, literally, there were probably more idols in Athens than there were people in Athens. You have the Parthenon, you have, it's just all over. There are these, and so you have this idol worshiping group. In fact, they're not, they're, they're, they're worshiping so many idols, they actually have an idol to an unknown God, you know, because there was a time where they were afraid they missed, all of their other idols didn't answer their prayers. And they tried this, praying to this unknown God thing and the, 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 the plague went away and therefore, you know, they thought, okay, there's this unknown God. We don't know who he is. We don't know who his name is, but we got to pray to him. They are thoroughly pagan, thoroughly idol worshipers. The second thing is they are elite philosophers. Even to this day, Athens is considered the intellectual capital of Western civilization. You know, the, you have Jerusalem is considered the spiritual capital, but Athens is the intellectual capital. These people in Athens, remember, this is first century. It's not been too many centuries since, since Socrates and Plato and Aristotle taught in Athens. These philosophers in Athens consider themselves the carriers of the mantle handed down by the greatest philosophers that Greek had ever known that Greece has ever known, and even that Western civilization, many would look up to to say the leading philosophers of, uh, some of the leading philosophers of the history of Western civilization. So these are arrogant people, they are pagan people, they are educated people. And Paul now is teaching them, they wanted to hear about Jesus and the resurrection that Jesus, that, that Paul had been sharing I'm going to skip over the most of the message and just focus on two sentences that I just find remarkable. Verse 26, Paul is describing God to them. And he said, from one man, God made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth. He determined the times set for them, the exact places where they should live. God did this, verse 27, so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out and find him, though he's not far from each one of us. Our small group last night spent a good hour talking about those two verses alone. 
And I want to share with you just some of the thoughts that came out of that time together. I find that statement that Paul makes remarkable and, and noteworthy for a couple of reasons. First of all, you know, a lot of people think the, the, the greatest question is, what's the purpose of life? In fact, you know, if some kid wants to act like he's going to stump you, it's like, give me the answer. What's the purpose of life? As though it's some difficult thing to come up with. The Apostle Paul could not be more clear. What's the purpose of life? Verse 26 says that God made from one man every nation. Why? Verse 27, God did this for what purpose? Why did God create human beings? So that men would seek him and perhaps reach out and find him. What is the purpose for human life? It is to know God. Why did God create us? I don't know why God, in some ways, it's kind of like, why did God create us since we're such troublemakers and so, so heartbreaking? But God created us so that we would reach out and find him because he wants to be found, because he wants to have a relationship with us. Isn't that remarkable? The God of the universe, the God who is you know, beyond the universe, the God who is the maker of all things and beyond time, he made you and me because he wants us to know him. He doesn't just want us to work for him. He doesn't just want us to you know, have jobs and leave a nice legacy and raise children and have fun. You are here and I am here, Paul says, because God wants us to know him. And by the way, that's also our purpose. Why are we here? Because God wants to know every human being on the face of the earth. And if you know one person who does not know God, then if you love God, you will help do your best to help that person reach out and find God. Because that's why God has made that person. God wants relationship with each one of us. That's our purpose. I just, I, lots of people, here, here Paul is talking to leading philosophers of the day. And he deals with the biggest question in life. One of the biggest questions is, what is the purpose of life? That's cool. The second thing that I find encouraging, though, is this. God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out and find him. Grope is the word that some of those old translations, and perhaps grope for him and find him. Though he is not far from each one of us. Let that sink in for a second. Do you find that remarkable? The Apostle Paul is talking to pagan idol worshipers, unapologetic pagan, arrogant, elitist philosophers. In fact, he's talking to philosophers who don't believe in God as he is. They believe that they may they believe maybe that God is that the fates are greater than God. They may believe that God um, doesn't really hasn't really created all things. That matter is eternal that there really is no personal guys. You know, they believe all of these weird things. And yet Paul says to these arrogant, idol-worshiping unbelievers, God is not far from each one of us. Isn't that encouraging? See, the first reason I want that to be encouraging for you 
is because when you and I reach out to try to reach people for Christ, to share Christ with people, um, what's your attitude? Do you realize this is your this is our advantage? God's not far from that person. That person that you're trying to reach, they're not a long way from God. God's not far from them. They could actually grope. Just reach out and find him. And so our jobs may not be, yes, it's difficult, but maybe not as difficult as we imagine them to be. Not Maybe not as impossible as we think them to be. Yes, people have to make the choice, but but the problem is not the closeness of God. God is near your pagan friends, your unreached friends, your rebellious friends. God is near them. And so be confident of that when you share your faith. Um, another reason, though, that I find this encouraging is because sometimes each of us feels like God isn't close to me. You ever feel like God's distant? Why, why is that? For instance, sometimes we feel like God's distant because of sin, maybe past sin or present sin, because we feel like we've sinned. You know, David says, my sin is always before me. You know, um, the Bible tells us that sin separates us from God, that God is holy, which means completely other. And so when we sin, we know that we're not holy and that sin has separated us from God. And so it's easy to feel like I'm distant from God because of my sin. But the people in Athens that Paul is talking to are sinful people. And sin has separated them from God. And it certainly is not a chasm that they can bridge by themselves. But Paul says, you sinful people, God is not far from each one of us. If you feel distant from God today, I want you to know he's not far from you. You know, you need to confess your sin. Don't deny it. Confess, say, God, I confess to you this sinful attitude, this sinful act. I'm sorry. Confess your sin and then run to the cross. We are dead in our trespasses and sins, but we are saved by grace because of the cross of Jesus Christ, the sacrifice of Christ. You run to the cross and see that he paid the price you couldn't pay because of his love for you and his grace and sacrifice are sufficient for you. So confess, but then re-educate your mind with the cross and believe God's promise. Um, the, you know, and, 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 and another thing I would say is, and, and do your best to quit sinning. Because every time we sin, every time, it makes us feel like we're more distant from God. But Satan wants you to, Satan wants you to believe that God is far from you, but he is, he is not. Um, he's closer than you realize. By the way, you're, um, Remember the Bette Midler song? You know, God is watching us. Beautiful song, bad theology. God is watching us from a distance, she sang. No, God is closer than you think. He's as close to you as you want him to be. Second reason why people feel distant from God may be an intellectual distance. There are some people today, and maybe you are a skeptic of God, and that makes you feel distant. And the thinking goes, God is so great, and I am not. I'm so limited in my thinking. God is perfect and my mind is imperfect. Therefore, every thought that I have of God, he's so great, the finite mind cannot even come close to understanding his greatness. 
And even if I have a thought of, of God, because my mind is imperfect, that thought is imperfect, and so therefore it's impossible for me to think that I can ever really know God. And there are some people that have an intellectual distance from God because of that kind of thinking. Let me encourage you. That's, that's what leads to existentialism, among other things. Let me encourage you. Romans chapter 1 tells us that God has made himself known to us so that nobody has an excuse not to know him. He's made himself known to us before Jesus, before scripture. He made himself known to us through creation. So nobody has an excuse. And here's the principle. Our knowing God is not dependent on our greatness or our perfection. Our ability to know God is that we are created by God and he knows us and he is great enough to know how to reveal himself to us sufficiently. Can we ever know God completely? No. And I'm glad because to know God completely, I'd have to have the mind of God, but we can know him sufficiently, not because of our greatness, but because of his. We are not far. He is not far from each one of us. The other thing I think that causes us to feel distant from God is what I would call a daily independent spirit. How do you live every day? Do you live every day moment by moment in a way that makes you feel close to God, walk close to God? Or is it a way that makes you feel separated from God? When you get up in the morning, what's your first thought? When you're driving in the car, when you're buying something at the store, when you're purchasing something from Amazon, when you're you know, changing your child's diaper, when you're teaching your child ABCs, when you are uh, preparing a meal, when you're washing dishes, when you're going into a meeting, when you are coming out of a meeting, when you're going to lunch, when you're going to exercise, when you are exercising, when you are choosing entertainment, when you're choosing what to do on vacation, do you do that with an independent spirit? You're not even thinking about God. When you, when, when you budget... Do you do all of that just thinking, I'm going to live my life? You know, just kind of not even consciously being aware of the presence of God and the value of God and the, and the will of God. Or do you just kind of do, you do it on your own? Or do you do it realizing God is close? God is my savior. God is near. And therefore, you submit everything to God. Remember what Jesus said, all authority, Matthew 28, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go into all the world, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. And what did he say at the end? I will be with you always. You want to feel close to God, then don't live an independent life moment by moment. It's not your life. It's not your breath. It's not your job. It's not your children. It's not your family. It's not your car. It's, they're not your clothing. It's not your day. It's not your time. It's God's. And so you live as though he is with you always. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He leads me down paths of righteousness for his name's sake. It is the picture of day by day, moment by moment, in all that you're doing, acknowledging the presence of the Lord, your shepherd, who is leading you and guiding you and protecting you and providing for you bring you to salvation, bring you ultimately home. God is not far from each one of us, but sometimes he feels far because we push him away 
I push them away with my independent spirit. I can go through the day without even bringing him into my day, without even being aware of his presence. How would it change our lives today and this week if we took Paul's words to heart? Trust God made us so we could know him. And he's not far from each one of us. That means he wants to walk with us closely, moment by moment, every day. What would your attitude, what would your joy, what would your life look like today, this week, if you simply lived like God is near each one of us? Heavenly Father, we thank you that you've made us for a great purpose to know you. And Lord, I thank you that if you, if Paul can say to these pagan idol-worshiping philosophers in Athens that God is not far from each one of them, that you are not far from each one of us. You are closer than we realize. So Lord, help us today to reach out and find you. When we get up in the morning, as we go about the day, as we love our family, as we do our work, as we make our plans, as we spend our money, as we drive our cars, as we coach our teams, whatever we do, Lord, help us to live in the reality that you are close to each one of us. And may your closeness give us wisdom, may it give us direction, may it give us comfort in our time of need. Through Christ we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us.